The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Where the dawn of the east meets the twilight of the west and the cool of the north touches the calm of the south and the transcendent power of God touches earth in the humility of Christ. Here with the head of the Charles reaches out to the heart of the country, we gather for ordered worship. The liturgy, music, and homily are offered in the praise of God for our gathered congregation here at Marsh Chapel, for our radio congregation across New England at WBUR 90.9 FM, and for our internet listenership around the globe at WBUR.org. We welcome your prayerful and material support, your written or emailed responses, your decisions about forms of ministry in our midst, and as the Spirit moves, come Sunday, your presence with us in worship. Today we acclaim the divine generosity, none is good but God, with God all things are possible. This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. As we are able, may we stand in the praise of God.
May we pray. Lord, we pray that your grace may always precede and follow us, that we may continually be given to good works through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Please be seated. We run the risk, do we not, of taking for granted what we most treasure, taking for granted those whom we most treasure, our family and our friends, our community and our church. You know, the church, the chapel a part of the church, is the seedbed for future wonder and morality and generosity. We pause to recognize near and far what we hold most dear, what we most treasure, those whom we most treasure, and lift our prayer and confession to God as the choir sings our traditional Kyrie. Lord, have mercy upon us. Christ, have mercy upon us. Lord, have mercy upon us. Thou whose goodness is from everlasting to everlasting, grant us thy peace. Beloved, if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thanks be to God. A lesson from the Epistle to the Hebrews, chapter 4, verses 12 through 16. Indeed, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, 
piercing until it divides soul from spirit, joints from marrow. It is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And before him no creature is hidden, but all are naked and laid bare to the eyes of the one to whom we must render an account. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who in every respect has been tested as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore approach the throne of grace with boldness, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. The word of the Lord.
Please join me in reading from Psalm 22 with the Antiphon. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer, and by night, but find no rest. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. In you our ancestors trusted, they trusted, and you delivered them. To you they cried and were saved. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm and not a human, scorned by others and despised by the people. All who see me mock at me. They make mouths at me. They shake their heads. Commit your cause to the Lord. Let him deliver. Let him rescue the one in whom he delights. Yet it was you who took me from the womb. You kept me safe on my mother's breast. On you I was cast from my birth. And since my mother bore me, you have been my God. Do not be far from me, for trouble is near, and there is no one to help. Many bulls encircle me. Strong bulls of Bashan surround me. They open wide their mouths at me like a ravening and roaring lion. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within my breast. My mouth is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of death. Now, please rise as you are able for the singing of the Gloria Patri and the reading of the Gospel.
The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Mark, chapter 10, verses 17 to 31. Glory to you, O Lord. As he was setting out on a journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. He said to him, Teacher, I have kept all these since my youth. Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said, You lack one thing. Go, sell what you own, and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When he heard this, he was shocked and went away grieving, for he had many possessions. Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were perplexed at these words. But Jesus said to them again, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. They were greatly astounded and said to one another, Then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, For mortals it is impossible, but not for God. For God all things are possible. Peter began to say to him, Look, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, Truly I tell you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for my sake and for the sake of the good news who will not receive a hundredfold now in this age, houses, brothers and sisters, mothers and children, and fields with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ.
Please be seated. None is good but God. With God, all things are possible. Today we acclaim, celebrate the goodness, the generosity of God, that word goodness in the New Testament here and especially in Galatians 5.22, agathosune, means goodness that is active, goodness in the present active indicative, goodness with track shoes on, goodness at work. Behold the goodness, the generosity of God. On this rainy New England working Sunday, somehow I am reminded of a Sunday years ago in the Southwest, in the sunshine, a day free. What a treat for one who makes his living by the sweat of his jaw to have a Sunday free. I skipped breakfast, went to church, found lunch, drove to the site of the football game, Cardinals and Giants, hoping to find a ticket. I passed by the scalpers, went to the ticket office, and there stood. After a while, a burly bloke came toward us. It was a long line. And there he stood in cardinal's shirt and cardinal's hat and cardinal's socks and cardinal's pants. He had on his back a beverage backpack with a plastic lip guide, and he was wearing a hat that had two wings on it that flapped cardinal-like so that when he moved, his hat did too. He was altogether an apocalyptic surprise. <laughs> After a moment, he looked us in the eye and said, I have two $50 tickets. I don't want to sell them. I want to give them away. Do you know there was dead silence? No one responded. We, perhaps it was partly his presence, but mostly it was the surprise of his generosity. We didn't really know what to do. He said, these are free. They're on the 30-yard line, 18 seats up, 18 rows up. I want to give them away. Who will have them? Silence, no response. Finally, in a bit of a tiff, he handed them toward the ticket counter and said, you give them away, at which point yours truly, not born yesterday, said, thank you very much. I'll be glad to have them. But you know, walking to the turnstile, I realized as I came toward it that I only needed one ticket. I had two. So I turned to the crowd there and said, I have a free $50 ticket. I'd like to give it to somebody. I don't want to sell it. Who would like it? Silence. No response. Again, I asked. And you know, they wondered. And no one came. Finally, a fellow came forward and said, all right, buddy, I don't know what your agenda is, but I'll take it. There is something so surprising about the fullness of generosity. The divine generosity surprises us, gives us a seat, gives us space, and seduces us into living our own generous lives as well. There's a surprising quality to the divine generosity. What a privilege over many years to look back at the giving that women and men have done. I think of a woman coming in and laying a substantial check on the desk and saying, for whatever you'd like to use this, here is support. I think of a friend offering his seacoast 
home when we needed a place to stay for a wedding. I think of a person who had received pastoral care and went ahead and endowed a position in pastoral care. I think of the generosity of Marsh Chapel. Marsh Chapel flourishes because of the reflective generosity of its people, women and men, one who sees and hears and does and gives, who is blessed and so then blesses. Do you know, you only have what you can give away. You only finally truly possess what you have the power and freedom to give away. But you know that. You are giving people. I think of the groups and communities who have lived the divine generosity and so surprised those all around them, salt and light. They are. It's in the scripture in full, the 33rd Psalm. The earth is full of the hesed of the Lord, the generosity of the Lord. Romans 15, you are full too of generosity. 2 Corinthians 9, the Lord loves a cheerful giver. Galatians 6, let us watch over one another in love. And Matthew in the Sermon on the Mount, if anyone asks for your coat, give your cloak. If he asks for one mile, go with him too as well. You think of those parables of sowing and reaping and that blessing we hope to hear at the end of time from a, a greater light and, and from a farther shore. Well done, here is the word in Greek, thou generous and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little, I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of the master. There is a surprise, a jolt, in the experience of divine generosity. Look about you. Everything in this chapel, its pulpit, its glass, its organ, its pews, its program, its ministry are here because somebody made a decision to see it so. That surprise, that divine generosity surprising us can open up space, space for others. Oh, I know we like to support particular projects. I do as well as any. But there is another reality pressing upon us this day that reminds us that the future of wonder and morality and generosity are found here, right here, and in similar spaces and communities. The seeds are being planted in the minds and hearts of young adults here today with regard to what the world will look like 40, 50, 60 years from now. Generosity opens a space for others. I see it week by week, just one week in less than five days. I saw, these are all people in their early 20s, one writing and publishing his own poems, one growing in a capacity to mature as a preacher, one studying economics now and into the future, one deciding to get and to, to be married at an early age, all signs of space opened for a hopeful future. Generosity opened space, you know, some years ago after our daughter had gone off to college and we no longer had much experience with a teenage girl nearby, Friends of ours asked if we would, for three days, watch their two young teenage daughters. And I thought we might be a little rusty 
So I was frankly hesitant, but I went to the spiritual leader of our home and Jan said, it'll be fine, bring them along. And you know, for those three days, we had again what we once had loved, the joyful laughter of siblings together, the mirth and playfulness of 14 and 15 year olds. And now that their mom has gone to glory to the church triumphant, and now that they are finished studying, one is just finishing a PhD in public health at Harvard as we speak. I wouldn't give those three days up for all the tea in China, for a king's ransom. Real generosity causes us, sometimes against a prevailing wind, to make space, find a seat, whether it's on the 30-yard line or the 60-yard line for somebody else. That's the divine generosity and its impress upon us. It's a serious existential claim. Real generosity encourages us, even seduces us into becoming generous ourselves. We see it every season here and now. Thank goodness for the goodness of the salt and light represented in these very pews. And at Boston University, generally, you know this week, this last fortnight, I have been thinking about Jane Addams speaking about encouraging generosity. Some of you will remember that 140 years ago, Jane Addams, almost alone to start, began what became in our history as a country the most potent, powerful urban ministry to the poor. Jane Addams grew up in Rockford, Illinois, but decided to invest herself in the city of Chicago, and there she built Hull House. And through it, she inspected factories for safety. And through it, she organized operas and music and theater in the streets. And through it, she developed a national voice on behalf of the poor decades before suffrage, we might add. She became an exemplar of generosity, the divine generosity seducing us to mirror God's generosity with our own. Here is what she wrote. The blessings that we associate with a cultivated and refined life must become universal if they are to be secure, she wrote. The good we procure for ourselves is precarious, uncertain, floating in midair unless it is secured for all and made a part of our common life. You know, you are such good listeners, I might just leave that, assuming that you connect with the reference to our place and time, but just to be sure, over the last three weeks as a community, we have rightly been anxious about theft and robbery along Commonwealth Avenue. And through the good work of police, the, the alleged perpetrators have been apprehended, and we are thankful, and we are less anxious. We recognize that those so acting need to be brought to justice. But friend, the point for this life is not to catch a thief only. Our point, our life, is to catch up with thievery. 
The point is not to apprehend one robber or three, as important as that is. The point is to catch up with robbery itself. Where does this behavior come from? What kind of society, culture, community, history, economic structure produces this? Now maybe, with that just before us here on Commonwealth Avenue, you can hear Jane Addams' warning. The blessings that we associate with a life of refinement and cultivation, she wrote, must become universal if they are to be secure. The good we procure for ourselves is precarious, uncertain, floating in midair, unless it is secured for all and made a part of our common life. Those who founded Boston University, Isaac Rich and others, knew that. Those who threw Boston University celebrated and ran Goodwill Industry knew that. Those who built Marsh Chapel for Howard Thurman and Martin King and others knew that. Those who not long ago invested two decades in the public education of Chelsea knew that. We've got bigger fish to fry and a world to address and a culture near and far to convert. Thank goodness for the divine generosity, embracing and guiding. You know, it was Christopher Lash who taught me about Jane Addams. He said, Jane Addams, early in her life, had an experience. A little part of her heart was freed, and in the freeing of that part, all the rest of her life, Jane Addams' life, was released. I just wonder whether this Sunday, this week, there is a part of your soul, your spirit, maybe a part near to the wallet area, we will presume, which once freed up in generosity, in the practice of tithing, in disciplined giving, will just free up all of the rest. Beloved, hear the good news of divine generosity, so surprising, so spacious, so seductive. It reminds us of an of a 18th century Anglican cleric who spent almost all of his adult life living on 60 pounds sterling a year and just giving away the rest. Mr. John Wesley, in whose heritage we stand and whose poem we, we will make our own. Do all the good you can, at all the times you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, to all the people you can, as long as ever you can. Hear the good news. There is none good but God alone. With God, all things are possible. Amen. As we gather together to bring our hopes, fears, and prayers to God, I invite you to stand, sit, kneel, or come to the altar rail if it is your tradition to do so. Let us join in the singing of our call to prayer, Lead Me, Lord.
We pray for all of those who are oppressed and persecuted or feel unloved and alone because of who they are or what they believe in. And on this weekend, we pray especially for those who feel they are stuck in a closet, whatever that closet may represent. May we continue to affirm that God loves each and every one of them. We pray for the safety and unity of the Boston University community, that we may come together to support ourselves and love each other as God loves each and every one of us, not just regardless of, but especially because of our beautiful differences. We pray for the church around the globe as it continues to discern how to fully include and accept all of the children of God. We pray for courage to be granted upon our religious leaders to love and affirm us all for our inherent dignity and sacred worth. We pray for our political leaders in this election season that they may discern how to truly serve the greater good of our country and of this world, and that they do not fall prey to greed as they are given both great power and great responsibility. Dear loving God, who reminds the lonely that they are never alone, be a beacon of light for those in darkness. Be a warm embrace for those who feel they are alone, and be a strong ax to break down the closet door. Inflame us with love and compassion to give away all our worldly entrapments and follow in your footsteps as we go forth and proclaim the gospel to those who need it the most. Through the Creator, Redeemer, and Holy Spirit, amen. And now with the confidence of the children of God, we pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. peace of the Lord be always with you. We welcome you once again here to the nave of Marsh Chapel on this slightly rainy Sunday morning. We hope you'll take a moment to put your name and contact information in the red books found along the center aisle of each pew so that we can get to know you better and help you get to know one another better throughout the coming week. 
We are pleased to announce that next weekend is indeed Parents Weekend here at Boston University. And if you're wondering what you're going to be doing on Saturday morning, we hope you'll join us at 10 a.m. on the beach just outside the chapel for donuts and coffee with the dean. At 11 o'clock, we'll be giving the Marsh Chapel Art and Architecture Tour, uh, and we hope you'll join us for that as well. And then at 12.30, the Inner Strength Gospel Choir will be singing from the front steps of the chapel on the plaza. And if you're wondering what to do on Friday night, we've got that covered for you, too. And here to talk about it is our director of music here at Marsh Chapel, Dr. Scott Allen Jarrett. We, we intend to have cots set up in the plaza so that you can come Friday and stay the night and be here <laughs> present all day Saturday for all of our Parents Weekend activities. In seriousness, our first uh, performance uh, of our concert series is this Friday night at 8 o'clock in this room and it features the chapel choir uh, in three works of Haydn, uh, Beethoven, and then uh, Mendelssohn. And importantly, we also introduce the Collegium, which is the resident orchestra at Marsh Chapel, and they will play a uh, work of Beethoven, the Second Symphony of Beethoven, and support the Haydn and the Mendelssohn. In particular, the Mendelssohn is very fun. It's uh, the text of uh, Goethe's first Walpurgis night, and uh, there's all kinds of wonderful October imagery of witches and goblins and clopper stricken and uh, broomsticks and things. And uh, though it celebrates the Volpurgis Night, which is uh, the arrival of spring, it is a piece of great significance for religious tolerance uh, and features prominently in uh, the literature and uh, the politicization of Central Europe from Goethe through the 19th century. And it's marvelous work, uh, wonderful orchestration, and the choir sounds fantastic, and we hope you'll be here for this free concert this Friday night at 8 p.m. Thank you, Larry. Thank you, Scott. We do hope you'll keep an eye to the chapel website, bu.edu chapel, for all of our upcoming services and activities, along with the opportunity for online giving. As the ushers wait upon us for our morning offering, we hope you will take the moment to meditate on Arvo Pert's setting of the Beatitudes. Now walk in love as Christ loves us, an offering and sacrifice to God.
We give you thanks, O God, this day for life, health, and peace. And with your divine generosity, bless these gifts and those who have given them for the building up of the people of God and the service of the world. Amen. of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit be and abide with each one of us now and forever. Amen. 